From the marketing agency 256, it's Gaming and Marketing, a show about gaming, marketing, and just about everything in between. We speak to experts in the space about how and why interactivity and video games are more relevant than ever in culture, but also in business. And hopefully you'll walk away with a better understanding of why play matters. I'm Jamin Warren. Making this podcast and writing our newsletter, I get to speak to lots of experts on gaming. But there are also some great minds on our team at 256, including our senior strategist, Mindy Lee. I've invited her on to talk about something we're excited to share with you all. So we have quite a few clients who come to us asking for advice about how to market to a gaming audience. These clients, um, they understand that the gaming audience is growing, they're important people to consider, but they don't know how to go about it. There's so many different options out there from Twitch, Mixer, Caffeine. Should they work with Ninja or PewDiePie? Um, Should they be having a booth at E3? There's so many different options of how you can get into gaming culture and a gaming audience. Um, So we developed the 256 Gaming Marketing 101 series. It's a series of three reports. So this first one is around the level of play, which is going to be focused more on in-game advertising and advert games. And this really came out of a need that we saw. There isn't a place where there's a survey of what are the possibilities in gaming and marketing. So who is this written for? Who are the type of people who should be coming to the website and, and downloading the report? Um, So I can see a lot of different types of people being interested in this report. They could be in-house marketing folks for brands, even other studios and agencies, people who are just trying to get a fluency and a lay of the landscape of what's possible in gaming. Got it. And of course, um, people who work at game companies, it's really helpful to be able to show them like, hey, even though you work in the space, you might be familiar with it, just giving you a framework for thinking about, you know, if you have X amount of dollars, you should try to deploy them in a specific way. Yeah, exactly. We have a lot of clients who are also gaming studios. Uh, They're very good at that work at gaming, but they may not necessarily know what's the best way to market to folks. So they're also included. Well, why advertising in games at all? There's lots of different places. If you're a brand that's looking to place dollars, you're looking to reach people who play games. Why should you advertise in games in the first place? There are quite a few reasons why brands should consider advertising in games. So the first is just the proportion of people who play games is increasing year over year. So it's likely that if you're a brand, that's probably where your audience is going to be found. The second reason is that video games are not like other advertising spaces like TV or the internet. They require a lot of focus. The audience is not just passively blowing past your ad. They're actually actively engaged. So I think some studies show that the average gaming session lasts between an hour, like an hour, hour, 22 minutes. And you can compare that to like a 30 minute TV episode. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's such a great point of comparison. Uh, Yeah, and some other reports also estimate that players are in-game for an average of 7 to 12 hours a week. So as a point of comparison for young folks, Americans age 18 to 34, they only watch an average of two, two and a half hours of TV a week. What are some of your favorite examples that you came across in your research? Any that surprised you or made you laugh or... Yeah, there are tons of good examples. Um, <laughs> where to start? Of course. Uh, so the first one that I really like, that's a historical example that I didn't even know until I started developing this research report, um, was Obama's 2008 campaign. Mm. It was the first presidential campaign ad in any online video game. And they also, what I thought was interesting was that they were trying to geolocate folks. So oh, they actually targeted people in 10 states. So what they had used is what we defined as a diegetic in-game ad. Hmm, So these are ads that are actually integrated into the environment of the game. So they're similar to product placement in some ways. An example of a diegetic ad would be a billboard a player races by in-game 
Or if we're thinking of a game like NBA 2K, it mm. probably it manifests as like courtside ads. So they essentially mirror what you'd see in real life. Oh, interesting. So it's an advertisement inside. It's very meta, right? Like yeah. advertisement as in the form of digital advertisement inside of a game. Yeah, exactly. So it's probably a more natural way for them to expand their advertising as opposed to doing something like spending time developing a game. Right, right. Yeah, much easier to get something out the door. Um, any like, you know, product placement is one of the ones that people think about probably the most because we see it in a lot of other forms of visual media, film and TV. You know, people think about those types of forms of product placement, any from games that, you know, that you thought were really interesting from your research. Yeah. So there are quite a few examples of product placement. Um, I think one of the more recent ones I can think of is uh, Monster Energies showing up in Death Stranding, which caused <laughs> a lot of a lot of uproar among fans. My favorite example of that is actually Cup Noodle. So mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 15 has quite a few brands in there. I think there's even Coleman camping items are in there. Mm. Cup Noodle shows up in a lot of different billboards, but also as an item in Final Fantasy 15. What I think is interesting is they actually made it part of the quest system. So ah. you can go on a quest to actually find and make the most delicious cup noodle which some fans were a fan of, others were not. I'd say what's interesting about that is that they actually took advantage of the cookie mechanics yeah. in Final Fantasy, so it was integrated into the game a bit do more. You, do you think with Cup Noodle and maybe some of the other examples, do you feel like the goal there is awareness, or is it to reinforce brand loyalty? Like, if you love Cup Noodle, you're very excited, but it's unlikely that new people are who haven't heard of Cup Noodle before are playing Final Fantasy and we're like, oh, wow, I need to go out and get that. Do you have a sense of, like, what the motivations are for putting this type of product placement in games? I'd say it's brand awareness, but I think part of that is an interesting collaboration with a game. It's something mm. that's unexpected. Like, people yeah. don't necessarily expect to come across Cup Noodle yeah. in, while they're in Final Fantasy. And I imagine there's a pretty big overlap between those two because mm. everyone loves Robin. So, Right. And, you know, also with the examples that you chose are really interesting. The Obama campaign, Cup Noodle, and part of what makes those work, it feels like they are natural. Can you talk a little bit about, like, maybe what makes good, natural, in-game advertising versus something that maybe sticks out? Yeah. Things that make good in-game advertising, we'd call them like diegetic in-game advertising. So it fits into the actual environment of the game. It right. plays plays by the rules that the game actually sets forth. Um, this is as opposed to something that is very out of character or sticks out. Right. Um, so the academic work around that is kind of mixed. Some people say it's a good thing if you stick out because that way you get noticed. Right. But sometimes there's backlash as well. But overall, I think people tend to find that the repeated exposure that people have in games results in higher rates of recall. It's also interesting because I think the perception that marketers have is that, you know, gamers as a group are very resistant to any form of advertising. But it seems like it really, it depends. There's much more like actual consumers. There's some good examples. There's obviously some bad examples and just figuring out what the rules are, it seems to be. But not whether or not to do something in game. It's much more about the execution at the Mm. end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that match between the brand and the game itself. Hmm. Um, I also think it's how they execute and how well. I tend to think that the brand collaborations that happen where the brand has an active part of the game tends to come across better Mm. so there's some examples of that uh we call them ip collaborations a lot of that the past year has been with Fortnite. Mm. so they had nike um they've also had marshmallow concert i think those brands came off pretty well because it's a more active part people can actually be part of the game right i mean the Fortnite examples are very interesting in part because you know i think with some of the Marvel Universe, the Thanos example, mm-hmm. Fortnite has had a bunch of advertising in the game, but I don't know necessarily that players would think of those as being quote unquote 
ads, even if the timing is like, well, you're going to play as Thanos because the new Marvel movie is coming out. And But it just seemed like a cool thing that you could do in the game uh, as opposed to something explicit that's like we're doing an advert game. Yeah. So advert games, I think, are another interesting channel that people can go. I think the way that people tend to think of advert games more historically are probably like HTML games right. or something that's a standalone, very short and snappy, which those games still exist. And I think they still have a purpose yeah. depending on who your, who your audience is. But more commonly these days, I'd say advert games come in the form of when a brand uses a platform or another game. So my favorite example from 2019 is Twitch. So Twitch has started to develop some branded content um, that has more of a choose-your-own-adventure feel based on uh, the way that the Twitch platform is built. So their first collaboration was with Porsche. They had audiences choose um, where to direct two drivers in an actual Porsche facility um, where to go, and they did that for over four hours. So I think what's interesting is that it harnesses what's appealing about advert games and games in general is, right. is ability to make choice and to impact something, Yeah, but is definitely heavily branded. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at a gaming platform and then considering what the opportunities are and then building a campaign around that as opposed to saying, like, what are the things that we want to do and how can we sort of stuff ourselves into the space, mm-hmm. uh, I think is the right way to go. Is there anything else that you would recommend for people who are flipping through the report that they might find really interesting? Yeah, so the report is full of a lot of examples. Um, we've linked every report that we've referenced in there, so hopefully it, it serves as a really good resource for anyone who's doing research. We also have a section on how to get started, a couple different steps of if you are interested in in-game advertising, mm. um, these are the steps that you should take to consider which avenue you want to go. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's so little information that's out there. You know, there's lots of examples of gaming marketing over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And I think for a lot of folks who are looking for like a one-stop shop, this first report seems like a good place to go. Yeah. I mean, I I think this report kind of came out of our own need as well. As we're doing our own research, it's really hard to find good contemporary examples of in-game advertising. So, yeah, this was a great opportunity for us to spend the time to find those examples and put it all in one place for other people to also use. Great. Well, thanks so much, Mandy, for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to the 256 Podcast, where we talk about the future of play and interactivity. This podcast is produced by Trisha Tonko with help from Anthony Martinez and music by Lucene. If you like this show, please share it with your friends and colleagues and leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. I'd also love to hear from you. You can find me, Jamin Warren, on Twitter at J-A-M-I-N-W-A-R. You can also find 256, that's spelled out, on Twitter at 256podcast.co, where you can sign up for our newsletter.